Again, it's good to see each one. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to begin a short uh, series this morning that we've entitled Death, the End, or the Beginning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. You know, now death is a subject that most people try to avoid, and maybe one reason is because there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to death. Now, I know this is a topic that not too many is going to enjoy, but listen to me, folks. Each and every one of us are going to face this event, this experience, if you please, that we call death. You know, and again, a question that, that many wonder and some ask is, what happens when I die? You know, is that it? The body just goes in the ground and, and this old body just returns to the dust of which it was created? You know, is, is that, it just returns and, and that's the end of Gene Hazel? No more? You know, or, or is there a purgatory? Maybe there's a purgatory. In other words, a holding place that the spirit of a person goes to until God can figure out what he's going to do with your spirit. Or maybe you're in that purgatory until someone prays you out or until someone pays you out. You know, is, is there really a hereafter at where this soul will live forever? Now, because there is no one that can answer that question from personal experience, I don't know, you may know somebody who can answer that question from personal experience. Personally, I do not know anyone. But maybe, you know, uh, you know, the only place we can go to to find out, since no one can answer from personal experience on, and give us insight on what happens when we die, is maybe here to God's Word. Now, here in 2 Corinthians, it's just one place in the Bible that gives insight on what happens when this body draws its final breath. Of course, there's many other passages that we could look at. And for instance, Luke chapter 23, where the thief on the cross said to Jesus as they were hanging there and, and both were about to die. You remember the story, the thief on the cross, the one thief uh, who, who uh, you know, realized he was a sinner and evidently asked for salvation because his words were simply this, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Lord, remember me. Now, we, we, we talk about the, quote, sinner's prayer. And sometimes we can confuse people when we talk about the sinner's prayer. Could you go find John? One of y'all. Oh, okay, you're up there? Why ain't you all, you ain't even got me up, son. Okay, I didn't even see you. Never mind, Tim, he's laying down. I don't know. Okay, anyway, you know, you remember the thief on the cross. We talk about the sinner's prayer. And, and, and some people get so hung up over that sinner's prayer. But this guy, all he said was, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And you remember what Jesus said today. He said, actually, he said, assuredly, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, don't forget that. In other words, what Jesus was saying to him is simply this. When we die, you will be where I am, and that will be in the place called paradise. 
In this passage, Jesus was clear that when both he and the thief would die, immediately they would be in this place called paradise. Also in Luke chapter 16, you remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And Jesus spoke uh, of Lazarus you know, dying and opening his eyes in Abraham's bosom. In other words, what we see there, it says, So the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. In other words, Abraham was already in this place called paradise. He died years before. But when Lazarus died, what Jesus said is, the the beggar opened his eyes, Lazarus opened his eyes in this place called paradise in the arms of Father Abraham. Now, That story goes on in Luke chapter uh, 16. You remember this. He said, but we also see that the rich man died and was buried. And we see there that in hell he lifted up his eyes. Being in torment and looking afar off, he seen Lazarus in the arms of Abraham. He seen Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom. So what do we see there about this event that we call death? That there are two places that a soul can wind up. One is in the place called paradise. The other is in a place called hell that burns with fire and brimstone. And the greatest thing about this, folks, is we get to choose which place we're going to. Isn't that great? We get to choose. Here in this story that Jesus was telling, Lazarus at one time in his life said, I want to spend eternity when I die, when I close my eyes in death. I want to make sure I go to that place called paradise. And he made the decision to do that, and he did. The rich man, he focused on all his riches. His riches was his God all his life. He never prepared himself for the place called paradise. Therefore, we see without a doubt that when he died and opened his spiritual eyes, he was in this place of torment, this place we call hell. In these passages of Scripture, we gain a lot of insight about this event we call death. You see, folks, it is death that is the go-between, if you please, between this uh, present state of affliction and the glory of heaven or the horrors of hell. It's death that gets us into one of those two places. You know, the one thing each of us here this morning have in common is that barring the rapture of the church, barring Jesus coming again and rapturing us out of all this, uh, this old world, we're all going to face this thing that we call death. You see, for the saved, it's going to bring us into the presence of the Lord. For the lost, death will bring them into everlasting punishment in this place called hell, this place that burns with everlasting flame. So without death, the saved would never be able to receive the eternal body of which God has for us. And and if we want an everlasting body, folks, an eternal body, a celestial body in the place that Jesus has gone away to prepare, we must face death in order to obtain it. You see, what is death? Death 
is simply the removal of the spirit from the body, which we now have. You see, we have a spirit within this body. And all death is, you know, all death is, is our spirit separating from this body. You remember when God created Adam, we're told that he formed Adam and he laid Adam out there. And Adam had a body just like I have. His probably didn't look as good as mine, but, you know, he had a body. I don't need no comments on that. Some amens would do. Thank you. But anyway, he had him laid out there and the body was lifeless. When did the body come to life? When God blew into his nostrils, what? The breath of life, the spirit of God. Then Adam became a living soul. So what death is, is that spirit that God has breathed into man, when that spirit leaves this body, that's all death is. That's all it is. The person, Gene Hazel, is still alive because my spirit is going to go be with Jesus. You see, what you see before you is not Gene Hazel. What you see before you is simply the tabernacle that God has chosen to put Gene Hazel in until such time he calls my spirit home. That's all death is. Now, now let, let, let's take a look here at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, what's the earthly house? Just what I just said. This body that Gene Hazel resides in. So if, if we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, you, you keep it up here. Once this old body is gone, once this old body dissolves, once this old body you know, you know, you know, is, is dead, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, okay? Eternal in the heavens. Look, we must understand that the real person uh, that we look into the mirror, when you look into the mirror every morning, that's not the real person. <laughs> For some of us, we're glad it ain't, aren't we? That's not the real person. What you see there in front of you, the real person, again, is that spirit being that resides within what the Bible calls this earthly tent, this earthly tabernacle, this earthly body. Let me, let me just do a visual with you right quick. This is, if you can see, what is that? That's a glove. Okay, is that glove alive? There's no life in that glove whatsoever. But if my hand, if you want to look at my hand as being the spirit, once the spirit enters this body, okay, this glove's a little too small, just like my body's a little too big. Anyway, once the spirit enters this glove, the glove comes to life, correct? I mean, the glove can now move. The glove can now wave. The glove can now be alive. Why? Because the spirit is within it. Now, again, all death is, is when that spirit leaves the body, then what happens to the glove? The glove is now lifeless. The glove cannot move on its own. The glove can no longer function. Why? Because the spirit is no longer residing in it. And again, folks, that's 
all that death. I keep saying the word all because that makes it sound like there's not much to it. Guess what? There's not. There's not. That's all death is, is when God decides to pull that spirit that he has breathed, breathed into the tabernacle, this earthly body. When God decides to take that out, then that is what death is. Again, the real person is that spirit being that resides within us. <laughs> There's a story I ran up on, and you, you may have ran up on this story too. It's a story about a man named Solomon Pease, okay? Solomon Pease. Now, they say this is what was written on his tombstone, okay? Let me read what they say was written on Solomon Pease tombstone. Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees, here lies the body of Solomon Pease, under the daisies and under the trees. Pease is not here, only the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. Now, whether that's on a tomb or not, I don't know, but it makes sense. And here's how it makes sense. This body is just, a pod. It's just a pod. For those of you who are gardeners, you know that when the peas are ready to be picked, you know, let's take, for instance, purple hull peas. What do you do to get the purple hull peas? You shell them out of the pod. You don't eat the pod. Okay? The life in that pod is that pea that you're after. So this body, if you want to look at it in a gardener's term, this body is simply the pod of which the pea resides. And once the pea is taken from the pod, the pod is no longer useful for anything. Does that make sense? You see, and that's all death is. Again, I'm using the word all. <clears throat> look. The person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, when their eyes close in this life, their spiritual eyes open immediately in the next. Again, look at the stories that Jesus told. Lazarus and the rich man. Look at what Jesus told the thief on the cross. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. When we close these physical eyes and we draw that last breath, folks, the next is looking in the face of Jesus in the place called heaven. Praise God. That's why, again, why Jesus told the thief on the cross, assuredly, now don't miss that word, assuredly I say unto you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. What's the word assuredly mean? It means it's a fact. It's a fact. Thief, don't hope that you'll be there. Thief, don't, you know, guess that you'll be there. Assuredly, you will be. Listen to me. Those of us who know Christ as our personal Savior, the reason we do not have to fear death is because assuredly, when we close these eyes, the next thing we see is the face of the one who died on the cross for our sins. He didn't say to the thief, tomorrow you'll be with me. He didn't say to the thief, next year you'll be with me. He didn't say to the thief, in 2,000 years you'll be with me. Today, 
today. You see, death is not the end of bodily, uh, to bodily form and life. It's the beginning of eternal life or eternal body form and life. You see, there is no, this is no speculation on the part of Paul in this passage, rather an assurance to the believer. For he says, for we know, know that if this earthly tent be destroyed, it will be followed by an everlasting habitation. We know, we know, we know. Look, there's no speculation here. You see, for the child of God, there's no hoping or wishing when it comes to our eternal destiny. There is only certainty. Are you with me? Only certainty. Certainty that when I close my eyes in death and I draw that final breath, my spirit leaves this old tent, my pee, a pee leaves this old pod, the next thing I'm going to see is my Lord and my Savior as He's standing there waiting to welcome me into the place that He calls heaven, a place like these eyes have never seen before. Now, the second thing is this. Death is the end of fleshly, bodily pain and suffering. My mama died of cancer. And some of you have lost loved ones due to cancer or other physical problems. No one likes seeing any family member go through cancer. It can be a horrifying death. About all they can do once you reach to a certain stage is give you medication to, to, to ease your pain, to make you sleep. And what we see here is death is the end of this bodily pain and suffering. Look what he says in verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be <clears throat> clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we uh, that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for, that which we, uh, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, and mortally might be swallowed up of life. You see, in verse 2 through 4 here, Paul speaks about how this earthly body suffers and groans. You know, not because it's a body, but because it's flesh and blood suffering under the effects of sin. That's why the body moans and groans. That's why the body gets diseases. That's why the body gets unhealthy, folks, is because it's suffering under the effects of sin. And because of that, it longs for the house, the body, which, was, which is in heaven. That's what our spirit longs for. Our spirit don't really like being housed in this old physical body that is uh, 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 you know, suspect to all type of diseases and everything else. Our spirit desires that heavenly house that it knows God has for us. <coughs> that, that heavenly body. So you see, it's the heavenly body of which our spirit and our soul passionately desires and that is what paul means when he states we are earnestly earnestly desiring to exchange this earthly and fleshly and sin-stained body for one especially for us made by god so your spirit that is within you it doesn't really like this old body 
Okay, again, why? Because it's a sin-stained tabernacle. It's a sin-stained pod, if you please. It desires for what it knows that God has prepared for us. That's what our spirit longs for. Now, how do we do this? It's just like changing clothes. That's how we get the new body. It's just like changing clothes. What do I mean by that? You can't change into clean clothes without first removing the dirty clothes. Now, with all, let me throw that lifeless thing away. It's no good, is it? It, at least it ain't doing like Thing does on, what is that, the Adams Family? What show is that Thing walked all around? Yeah, if it starts doing that, we're out of here. Okay. Anyhow, here, here's what we need to understand. In this hot weather that we have, I don't know about you, but when I get out there and I start working in my shop or whatever, let me tell you, by the end of the day, I am dirty, I'm smelly, I'm stinky, you know, now, let me ask you a question. If it was time to come to church, and I've been out there working all day, and my clothes are sweaty, they got sawdust all over it, they're just, just nasty, and I stink, I've been sweating and all this, Can, would it do me any good to just put on clean clothes over my dirty clothes? Wouldn't do no good at all, Okay. And that's the way it is with death. You can't change into the clean clothes, that new body that God has for us, until first removing the old clothes. So we can't move into that new body that God has for us until we shed, and again, we, I'm talking about who we really are, is our spirit, until our spirit changes out of this old body we can no, not be able to put on that new body that God has for us. It's the same with changing our bodies, okay? We'll not be able to change into that clean, unstained body that God has for us until we remove this dirty one. You see, many fear death also because they're afraid of being left unclothed. Now, what I mean by unclothed is there's some who fear death because, you know... Am I just going to be out there just a spirit moving around? I mean, am I never going to have a body to reside in any longer? Look what he says here. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Again, for most people, they fear the unknown because they fear death. And, and even, even some who are saved still question what lies behind that shadow of death. Pastor, what's really behind that shadow of death? I don't know. I've never experienced it. <clears throat> but I know what the Scripture teaches. You know, what is behind that shadow of death? And Paul is saying here that fear is sometimes a result of that spirit, you know, uh, wanting to go into a body but not for sure if it's going to. What really happens to my spirit? And fear can cause us to question death. But Paul gives us the assurance that once we shed this old sin-stained, dirty clothes, God has a new set of clothes for us. A new set of clothes that will no longer be sin-stained. 
a new set of clothes that will no longer get diseases or anything else, a new set of clothes that will last throughout eternity. Now, the earnest that God puts down on this assured promise is that of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 5. Now, he that hath wrought us is uh, for the self uh, same thing is God. Now, look at this. Who has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Now, what's he mean by the God's given us the earnest of the Spirit? The Holy, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is to the Christian what earnest money put down on buying a house is to the seller. Now, here's what I mean by that. When you buy a house, you give that seller earnest money. Now, what that earnest money is, it's a deposit made to that seller showing that you as the buyer is, has good faith in this transition, that you are going to buy that house. I'm giving you this earnest money to show you that I have good faith in your house, in your house. And this is one aspect of the Holy Spirit being sent to us by God. God showing His good faith in all that He has promised to us. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of God's promise. However, another aspect of the Holy Spirit is in the form of the Comforter. Jesus told His disciples in John 14, 16, I, I will, When I go away, I will Pray the Father, and he shall send you another comforter that shall abide with you forever. So the Holy Spirit is, first of all, the earnest of God's promise. God's showing his good faith. Here's how, here's how you know I'm telling you the truth. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And when it comes time for Mr. P to shed his pod... When it comes time for your spirit to leave this body, that Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you. That Holy Spirit will be there to strengthen you. That Holy Spirit will be there to guide you. And folks, we have that promise of God. So not only is the Holy Spirit the assurance to us that God will hold good on His promises, <clears throat> He's there to bring us comfort at the time or that moment that it's time to check out of this old sin-stained temporal clothing into that that God has for us. So the new clothing is available, though, to only, uh, excuse me, the new clothing is available only in the presence of God. Look what he says in verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident. Now, I want you to circle that word confident. Knowing that. How can we know? Because we're confident. Okay? <clears throat> How can we be confident? Because we know. Wessel, we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. That simply means as long as we're in this body, as long as our spirit is in this body, we're, we're, we're away from God, okay? We're away from God. We're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Look at verse 8. We are confident, Okay? We could put a butt right there. But we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from this body and present with the Lord. Remember a few moments ago I told you our spirit don't really like this old body? Our spirit don't really like being housed in this old sin-stained body? What's Paul saying there? That 
our spirit would rather be absent from this body and be present with the Lord. So you, the real you, not what you see in the mirror, okay? But the real you, your spirit, really desires to be with God who created it, who created you, who created us. Now, I know for some people, they think that, that, that they can get everything they'll ever need from Walmart. Now, I hope this don't make you think less of me, what I'm fixing to say. But I can count on one hand how many times I go to Walmart a year and probably have some fingers left over. I'm not a Walmart person, okay? But... Uh, you know, if Walmart doesn't have it, some people think, well, I don't need it. Now, some men, okay, some men, I guess I could fall in this category, you know, think that, you know, if it isn't at Harbor Freight, if it isn't at Tractor Supply, if it isn't at Atwoods, then it's not something that's really needed, <laughs> okay? Well, Paul is saying to us here, that these new clothes your spirit longs for can only be found in one place. It's not Walmart. It's not Tractor Supply. It's not Harbor Freight. It's not Atwoods. It's in the presence of God. And it is the only thing, the only thing that is really worth having in this life. It's the only thing. Look, while at home in this body, we're absent from the one who can provide our new body. Look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whistle, okay, you know, that's the King James word for, you know, uh, while we're here, you know, while we're here in this body, we're absent from the Lord. So as long as we stay in this body, folks, we're not going to be in the presence of the Lord. You want to be in the presence of the Lord? The body has to be shed. You want to experience the body that Jesus Christ is, has prepared for you? You've got to shed the old clothes. You want to be in the place that Jesus went away to prepare as he told his disciples, I go away to prepare a place for you, and if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto my own, that where I am, there you may be also. You want to be in that place? You can't go there till you shed the old body. Can't make it there in this body. It can't happen. Notice that Paul uses the word confident twice in two verses. Where does that confidence come from? Folks, it comes from the Holy Spirit. We can have confidence as Christians when we're facing death, because we know, we have confidence that when I draw this final breath from this old body, I'll take my next breath in the, pro, in the presence of God. I know Brother Jerry has shared with me a, a couple of times, and when his mother died, they was all at her bedside when she went to be with the Lord, a very godly lady. Brother Jerry said that her eyes had been glazed over. You can correct me any time I'm wrong, okay, in this. But he said for months and months her eyes had just been glazed over. You know how people, if you've ever been to the bedside of one who's about to pass, their eyes just get 
glazed over, milky looking, or just whatever you want to call it. And she had been that away for months, just nothing, nothing. Well, right before she passed, I'm talking about just right before she passed, wasn't it, Jerry? Her final breath. Her eyes just cleared up, just as clear as could be. And she just looked straight up. Isn't that what happened? She looked straight up. What happened? And then she drew her final breath. Her eyes opened. She looked up. In fact, just before that, a you know, week or two, I think, before that, she had reached up because Jerry's two brothers had passed, and she called their names and reached up to them. She knew she was about to leave this old tabernacle. But the thing is, just before she drew her last breath, God cleared up her eyes so she could see the angels coming to get her. Just as clear as could be. What could give a person that confidence? What could give a person the confidence to know that I'm about to draw this last breath, but there's nothing to fear because my Lord and my Savior is waiting on me? Listen, I, I can't tell you how many funerals I've done in my 30-plus years pastor. And sometimes I wished I would have kept a record of all that, you know, but, you know, I, I didn't. Some pastors I know do. But I can always, I'm not going to say no because we don't know nothing. I can always guess, I guess you might say, whether the person that has gone to be with the Lord was saved or not by the reaction of the family. Now, that's not to say a family who has a saved person is not going to shed tears. We're shedding tears because we're going to miss that individual. But there's something about that family who knows without a shadow of a doubt that loved one was saved is in the presence of the Lord. They may shed tears because they're going to miss them, but let me tell you, they're rejoicing inside because they know they know that loved one has left this old sin-stained body and is now in the presence of the Lord. Folks, Paul says here we can be confident in that. Again, death is not a topic that someone likes talking about. But when it comes to the Christian, we can be confident in these things. Let, let, uh, two more things here. We can have this confidence, this type of confidence, because of our faith in Jesus Christ. What's he say in verse 7? We, don't walk, or we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk in the faith that Jesus Christ has made these promises to us. And then finally, though our flesh desires to remain in this body, our spirit prefers to be absent from this body in order to be present with the Lord. For we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and go home to be with the Lord. It reminds me of a story I once heard of an old drunk who stumbled into the church, stumbled in and sat there on the back row. And the preacher was preaching, and he said, you know, he's preaching on heaven. He said, everyone who wants to go to heaven, stand up course everyone wants to go to heaven don't they 
Not everyone wants to do what you got to do to get there, but anyway. He said, everyone who wants to go to heaven, stand up. Well, everybody stood up, but this old drunk. So he walks back there, and he looks at this old drunk. He says, sir, you don't want to go to heaven? Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Well, why didn't you stand up? He said, I thought you were getting a group to go now. So, you know, we, we, we all want to get there, but we don't want to die in order to do it. I think that would be a fair statement. But again, for the child of God, folks, death is, is something to look forward to, not something to fear. Not something to fear. Again, Paul says, be of good courage. These are words of encouragement letting us know that when we leave this old body, we're not going to simply return to the dust of the ground. We're, 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 we will not go through some holding place in hopes of finding a better place. For the child of God to be absent from this body in what we call death, <clears throat> excuse me, is to be present with the Lord. Again, Jesus told a thief on the cross who repented today. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Today. Soon as those eyes close, soon as that last breath is exhausted from the lungs, Jesus says, you're going to be with me in paradise. The question is, what's going to happen when we get there? Verse 10 gives us some insight on which we'll pick up next week. Didn't you used to hate them shows that would come on and leave you hanging? What did they call them, cliffhangers? I'm going to cliffhang you this morning. We'll finish up next week or continue. But the question I have for you today is, can you have the confidence that Paul talked about that if you was to draw your final breath right now, today, before you even get out those doors, do you have the confidence when you shed this old pod that your pee would go to the place Jesus went to prepare? Do you have that confidence? You see, as children of God, we do not have a hope so salvation. As children of God, we have a no-so salvation. And because we have a no-so, K-N-O-W, because we have a no-so salvation, folks, listen to me, every one of you here, here today who are saved, death is nothing to fear. This may sound morbid, <laughs> but death is something to look forward to. And that's what Paul is telling us here desire to be absent from this body to be present with the lord do you have that confidence this morning if you're saved you should if you're not saved you don't we're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment if you're here and you don't know christ as your personal savior if you don't have that confidence to know that when you exhale that final breath that you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. You need to come during this invitation. Give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I come.